The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. And hello and welcome to Gadget Guide show number 188 with a look at the tech news and then we're going to be exploring the new Raspberry Pi 400 as well as Google's new Chromecast with Google TV. But first of all in the news, today marks the 20th anniversary of a continuous human presence in space. Which yep, is quite an incredible... 20 years old really. Yes, Planning uh, started in about 1980. Yep. But the first, 2nd of November, year 2000, Expedition 1 arrived on the International Space Station. And uh, since then, they have been continuously inhabited with 240 humans from 19 different countries carrying out, uh, carrying out over 3,000 research investigations. And that adding is... to the whole space station the whole time. Apparently it now weighs about 420 <laughs> yes. 420 tons it's quite incredible there's some uh, some graphics of it floating around on the internet if you sort of look at the different sizes it's grown and yeah, when they first got the first modules up it was tiny it was a, a you know a few percent of the size it is today you could you know nowadays with a decent amateur telescope you can easily see you know the details of the solar arrays yeah. um, as, as it goes over in the right direction there's no way that you could do that in, in its early days. And now it's big enough, they reckon it's got the same amount of accommodation space as a six-bedroom house. <laughs> how, how many people are normally up there at any one time? It's, it's around that number, isn't it? three or four, yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. a little bit of an overlap period between... Yeah. Uh, yeah, one I think, I think it can hit six when, yeah, when there's a crew swap, but uh, at, at general occupancy, three to four. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. But yeah, so congratulations to uh, to everyone involved. Because of course, it, it's you know it's not just a NASA project. It's not just a European Space Agency project. It's an absolutely sort of cross-country, cross-organisational, yeah, fully uh, international endeavor. activity. And um, current planning, future planning is at least another eight years. Right. So yeah, I don't know what its original design lifetime was, and I, I wonder uh, it, if it's it, going to be. It's a- exceeded that already. Yes, is it going to be a little bit sort of Trigger's Broom where they'll sort of replace each module in turn? There won't be anything <laughs> left of the original one. It might well be. Uh, they, they have said at some point a lot of it has to come down and they will obviously work out how to do that safely, especially yes, after... how you get 400 tonnes back down. Yeah, after the problems with Space Lab, um, yeah, crashing into most of Australia um, when it came down in the, the 70s because um, they didn't have a space shuttle ready to actually do the proper... Um, planned descent that they were looking for uh, to crash it back into the ocean. Yeah, a huge number of satellites now in orbit that that you have to very carefully avoid, not so much the geostationary ones because those are way higher up, uh, but some of the low-Earth orbit. How how do you get stuff down without hitting Starlink? Yeah, interesting um, SpaceX's new um, Starship that they are planning to, to... uh, used to get to Mars, they think could act as a uh, an Earth orbit vacuum cleaner when it's not doing long trips. Oh, nice! Cleaning so go up, up and, space uh, junk, yeah. Hoover stuff up. Because of course, the challenge there is growing problem. Yeah, you have to get to such a similar orbit uh, as whatever it is you're trying to clean up. Because if it's <laughs> if, if you're not at the same <laughs> velocity as as the thing you're trying to to Hoover up, it's is going to punch through you pretty quick. As so. I, I think that we've got pretty good at that. You've only got to look at how we managed to actually do things like send up a space shuttle, collect the Hubble telescope, yes. bring it on board, fix it, and then put it back. 
I've just got memories of the uh, the final scenes of The Martian, though. <laughs> yeah, going full Iron Man on uh, on whatever it is. Yes. Anyway, there's also a digital magazine coming out soon at iss20.com, which will be celebrating all things International Space Station over the last 20 years. Plenty of stuff on Twitter, NASA's website, space.com. All over Hashtag the place Space the Station 20th. So two uh, space station, then number two zero th space station twentieth on uh, on Twitter. Coming back down to Earth. Ah, uh, see what you did there. Yes, off, Ofcom. This is the the UK's uh, telecoms and broadcast reg- regulator. Uh, have announced new rules for internet service providers and mobile phone operators. The days of your network locked phone handsets are finally coming to a close. Yes, very numbered on that. Fortunately, um, you won't be uh, stuck with a phone that is only going to work on the network you might have bought it from because that won't be legal. Uh, Not sure when the actual cutoff date on that is. And it's been something that's been coming for a while because, of course, if you rewind uh, 15, 20 years, it was quite common that you would buy a mobile phone and it would be on Vodafone and you couldn't change that. Then uh, it the, went. There became this sort of aftermarket trade yeah. in unlocking. <laughs> then it became a requirement that the the operators had to unlock on request, but could charge for it. Yeah. I think the current situation is they must unlock and cannot charge for it. And the th- new rules. I think, I think that they ca- they can charge a balance of contract if you were leaving if you were trying to move contract. Yes. Yeah. Because that's a separate uh, entity to the phone. But, um, but they must unlock the handset. Yes. Whereas uh, the new the, rules are that they just cannot lock it to start with. Yeah, December 2021. So we've got a year of potentially still locked handsets, but I think most operators will probably start that sooner rather than later, just so that they're not caught. Yes, and I, um, I think a couple of the networks that all, already do this. I, I believe yeah. the E and possibly 3 uh, are already unlocked by default. Yeah. Um, and as it is these days, you don't get a saving by buying your phone from the operator on a monthly um, that is, yes, amount of money on your contract is the phone. Um, it is basically the cost of the phone split over that period. So it's effectively a finance arrangement rather yes, than a discount. Yes, and, and normally, normally with that uh, finance arrangement interest as well. Yes. Um, so it's it's always worth looking they're at buying not, a SIM-free phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you need a new phone, save up for it or find another way to purchase it. Or, yes, so there are still some good finance deals on the on yes. phone handsets, you and, know, if, and, if you can't buy it outright. And the manufacturers themselves have cottoned onto this. So both Apple and Samsung have got a very good uh, direct purchase program with finance available, and normally it's 0% finance through um, Barclays, um, splitting the cost over 6 to 12 months so that you, yes. you can get that latest shiny shiny without the immediate lump of um, seven to £1,200. Um yes. Other stuff from Ofcom is they are changing the way your ISP, your broadband provider, uh, works as far as changing. Now, easy on the OpenReach platform, that's BT's platform, which a lot of providers are on, but complicated by Virg- having things like Virgin Media and then full, pro- uh, full fiber providers like we've got in Cambridge with City Fiber and then other providers around the country like Hyperoptic and GigaClear. There is no easy way to move exactly the same package yes. off one of those uh, onto another. Uh, and of course, this this is also something that uh, disproportionately affects smaller internet service providers because 
you know, typically they are, if they're building on top of someone else's platform, so if they're building on top of OpenReach, there is a certain amount of of commit that they have to the wholesale provider yeah. that isn't affected by this. So if, um, you know, if, if you were to sign up to an ISP, they would, for a, particularly for a fiber uh, internet circuit, they would often be tied into an end-month contract with BT Wholesale. Um, and so if, if you then move away from them, that potentially has an impact on them. So that's... I, I This whole area of regulation, I'm... I have very mixed feelings about because I I understand and appreciate what Ofcom are trying to do in terms of making it easier for consumers. At the same time, it feels like it plays to a few very large internet service providers and makes it more difficult for the smaller ones, the ones that do have those unique offerings, um, either in, in the sense I, of sort I, of local I fiber it, ones. I hope it opens up things like local providers like City Fiber for more of the smaller ISPs who might have been very easily provisioned on OpenReach and it enables them to get onto City Fiber or Hypoptic or GigaClear so that you can say, well, fine, I'd like to move my Andrews and Arnold connection off OpenReach onto City Fiber or vice versa. Yes, Uh, of course. That that flow. uh, Of course, that that works where you have a small number of wholesale providers yeah where you have bt wholesale open reach um virgin media talk talk um where you then have the very local fiber networks the likes of cambridge fiber like blue fiber yeah do you expect every small isp to negotiate with every local fiber provider that that becomes a, a challenging business model so almost need some sort of clearing cattle market type thing where <laughs> yes. people can go and bid on um, access and, and do it that way. Very similar to the way we're seeing things like cloud compute offerings from Amazon and Google and IBM and HP all going into sort of central marketplaces where you can mm. you can move your your stuff around between providers. So yeah, maybe it's a, a thought on the way that broadband uh, is becoming more like your gas and your electric where you can just, you know, flip a switch and it changes to someone else. Yes. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Indeed. So, uh, back to uh, back to Apple. They and we we mentioned briefly the uh, subscription products. They Apple have launched a subscri- uh, a few new subscription bundles uh, called Apple One. This isn't for the phone handsets. This is for the associated services. Yes, if you are an Apple Music consumer, and then things like Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, iCloud for storage, and so on, if you're using multiples of those, you might want to look at Apple One's new bundle package, where they're combining these services into a single offering, so making it a bit cheaper for the consumers. Surprising, Apple making things cheaper for consumers, but uh, an individual plan with one user, Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, and 50 gigs of iCloud is now £15. Family deals starting at £20, which basically pushes you up to six users and 200 gigs, and then a premier package for 30 quid, which gets you two terabytes of iCloud storage, which is actually a fantastic amount of storage for a reasonable monthly cost, actually. Yes, and of course, you're comparing that to Dropbox, which I think a two terabyte Dropbox plan is somewhere in the round £10 a month. Yeah, uh, kind of region. I'm but, just but looking then for thro- throwing in things like comparing a Spotify and a Netflix and a uh, Google Stadia into that package. I think you're getting a pretty good deal out of thirty quid. 
and and you do that is the magic here is you do have to get that good deal you do have to be using multiple services so for example if you and just look at if you just look at iCloud on its own the yeah, 2 terabyte plan is 7 pound a month so 7 pound a month going up to 30 pound a month for the Apple one equivalent plan um yeah that that is a thing the other time that it does make sense on those higher the family and the premier plans is if you've got multiple people in the household yes each using it like i said up to six users on that i don't think they even have to be at the same address anymore right right so, so i think you, you can sort of have have your mum backed up into your iCloud plan so that you can you know do some sharing that way but um you know even the individual plan at 15 quid at 50 gigs of iCloud plus all the other stuff is a reasonably good deal if you start to add up the things. You do really need to be in the Apple ecosystem, though, for all of these to um, really benefit you. If you've got um, stuff that isn't in that space, you, you're not going to benefit as much. Yes, uh, and also it's one of those things where it's going to depend on where, where you like getting your uh, sort of TV entertainment. If you, you know, if you can move to Apple TV Plus and Apple Music and in doing so drop your Netflix and your Spotify and your uh, you know, various other TV subscriptions. Uh, I think you can probably drop your Spotify. I don't think you drop your Netflix. Uh, and the, the, this is the, the original Netflix right. content. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and then you start throwing Disney Plus into the mix and then you want that as well. Um, <laughs> sticking with entertaining things, uh, of course, we're, we're due to go into lockdown 2.0 uh, on Thursday. Uh, yes. The, ne the next version, or lockdown the next generation. And a whole lot of things are supposed to be coming out next week and the week after from our favourite entertainment companies. That's Microsoft with the Xbox Series X and Series S, as well as Sony with the PlayStation 5. And of the course, Xbox this... due the 10th of November and the PlayStation the 19th. This would normally be a very good time of the year for a lot of the high street sort of digital entertainment retailers, so the likes of Game and you know, Curry's Argos. PC World, Argos, you know, people rushing out to the shops to get their hands on those new consoles. Yeah, pretty high ticket items. And the launches don't come that often. So to have those launches go ahead while many of these non-essential shops are closed is potentially a very large source, uh, sort of loss of revenue for those folks. A lot of them looking to move to click and collect. Um, yes, you know, because it's the still government lets you get that's going to be allowable. So the shops are now all gearing up for that. Uh, yep. Game have said that anyone who has ordered and paid a deposit. Um, or places an order any time before Wednesday evening can collect their console on launch day from their closest game shop between 8am and 2pm. And that means that if you, if you want it the first minute you can, that's probably going to arrive before the Amazon delivery does. Uh, yeah, 8am, I think. Uh, although you're going to have to be doing a socially distanced queue outside. <laughs> whether, whether there <laughs> I've will just be... got visions of those queues around the block, but with two metres <laughs> between I'm, each I'm just, I'm just thinking, how, how long can we have the longest queue for uh, Xboxes yes. uh, before it becomes something that the police have to arrive and control properly as being well, a, a gathering? <laughs> as long as it's one linear queue and there's no mingling between people, then... Or... <laughs> uh, uh, Argos have said that they will be able to have click and collect available as well inside Sainsbury's and at some Argos stores. Uh, Smith's also will be offering click and collect, but they will be taking payment by card only upon collection. So everyone's getting organised for this. The other thing is, uh, will the PlayStation 5 
have its release date changed? Oh, like so many other things this year. <laughs> this year, it's, it's like the new Bond film. Um, yes, there there are rumours that that date may move. Frankly, either way. Uh, yeah, they, they might the, try to the slip it in to, to upset Microsoft and move it to the same date as the Xbox. Yes. Uh, but it could slip beyond the 19th. Does that mean you get two well? different queues outside the shop? <laughs> uh, queue left for Xbox, right for PlayStation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> uh, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, that's the one. Uh, yes. Uh, in, in mobile uh, news, uh, O2 UK is uh, donating up to 10,000 mobile phones and free service to uh, those who aren't uh, quite as well connected as, as some of us might be. And this is something that has been so obvious, particularly with uh, distance learning, online uh, education, is for some folks, jumping on a computer that they have full use of, going using a, full, uh, a decent internet connection and joining some kind of virtual classroom by Zoom or similar is not a problem. For other folks, they might not have their own computer. You know, they might be sharing it with siblings, with parents who are also working from home. Yep. They might not have a good internet connection. Um, and O2 are, uh, are, are jumping in and uh, doing their little bit towards this. They're partnering with a company called Hubbub, uh, who have a plan called Community Calling, who basically will take your old working smartphones that as long as they've got an intact screen and they charge pop- properly, you can download a uh, free post envelope address uh, or sign up to get a free post envelope sent to you and you basically put your old phone in the envelope, drop it in the nearest post box, no need to actually go physically to a post box. The main thing is clear all your accounts off the phone, ideally data wipe it, make sure it's not locked to a network. We've spoken about that. Yep. And then send it off to them. They will professionally data wipe it to make sure it is fully clear, test it and verify it. And then O2 are taking those recycled phones, making sure they're okay, bundling 12 months of talk time and six gigs of data a month and providing nice. them to people who are digitally excluded. Very good and nicely done to uh, all the folks behind that. Uh, well, talking of uh, of education and uh, and devices for education, in a couple of moments' time, we will be talking about the new Raspberry Pi 400, new all-in-one computer from the Cambridge-based Raspberry Pi Foundation. Cambridge 105 Radio. Join me, Neil Jones, every Tuesday here on Cambridge 105 Radio for the very best from the world of rock. Every week we'll bring you big name interviews, all the latest from the local scene here in Cambridge and the very best rock songs around. It's two hours of rock every single Tuesday from nine o'clock with me, Neil Jones, right here across the city in South Cambridgeshire on Cambridge 105 Radio. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. 
CKLG accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Creating and preserving wealth is an aspiration for many of our clients. In our complex world of changing legislation and family circumstances, we listen and provide you and your family with bespoke tax advice tailored to your needs. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. And it's time now to look at the brand new Raspberry Pi 400. It's a Raspberry Pi, but not as you know it. <laughs> it's a Raspberry Pi 4 times 100. It uh, is. They have taken the Raspberry Pi 4, their latest version of the Raspberry Pi computer, which came out last year, and changed how it's presented. Now, it's th- no longer just a, a funny little board that you might have to buy a separate case for and uh, then find a keyboard for and work out how you're going to hook it all up and think about it and get yourself an operating system sorted out for it and made it a whole lot simpler. Now, this is intriguing because if you were listening a couple of weeks ago or to the repeat on uh, on Saturday afternoon, then you would have heard us talking about the Raspberry Pi Compute Module 4, which was going in exactly the opposite direction. There they took the Raspberry Pi 4 and stripped even more bits out of it. Uh, so it became a tiny little board, even smaller than the normal Pi, uh, suitable for use in industrial products in yep. you know, embedded within other designs. And I have to say, when I first woke up and saw the Raspberry Pi 400, I assumed that that was what was behind this. I assumed that they'd taken that compute module 4 and shoved it into something that looks like a keyboard. They haven't. It is built ground up as a different product, clearly sharing a lot of the same architecture and heritage of the Raspberry Pi 4. It's the same processor, you know, it's all the same technology, the same peripherals, but it's not built on the Compute Module 4. It's a completely different circuit board. They've taken the Raspberry Pi 4 and basically shuffled the the, the board Stretched around the it out a bit. <laughs> uh, so what they've done is they've squeezed it inside what is effectively a, a standard UK, available German and US, uh, keyboard, so a standard QWERTY keyboard. Uh, on the back side, you've got an Ethernet port. You've got a bunch of USB. You've got some HDMI. You've got a slot for your SD card. You've got the GPIO pins, the uh, input-output pins, and a USB-C power connection. And that does mean that if you set this up as a workstation, you get something not dissimilar to some of the very high-end uh, sort of Apple Mac style things where you just have the keyboard, the monitor and your mouse and that's all you have. You don't have a separate computer unit. Um, and of course the Raspberry Pi 4 is a very capable of workstation. Yep. If, you've, if you're just doing a little bit of web browsing, a bit of word processing, that sort of thing or even software development, it makes a great platform for way less money than, than you would typically spend on a, a desktop computer. At the same time, the presence of that GPIO port uh, that you mentioned there, Lawrence, um, that means that you can still do all the experimental stuff. You can still connect yep. it up to lights and buttons and sensors and motors and everything like that that you could with the original Pi. But all of that tidies away and you just get left with your, your basic workstation with a keyboard and a mouse on it. Yep, yep. So for basic computer use in most homes, this is an ideal unit. Provided a monitor, um, 
and a mouse and a power supply and off you go. If you haven't got any of those things at hand, uh, if you've only got a monitor, um, the... And that, uh, that can just be a TV, by the way. Any TV with HDMI. Yeah, anything with HDMI. You can use that. Uh, the full kit is available, which then includes a mouse and all the cables. So it includes a micro HDMI to HDMI cable, the official Pi mouse, uh, the official Pi USB-C power supply, a preloaded uh, micro SD card with an operating system on it ready to go, as well as the Raspberry Pi Beginner's Guide that's available from all of the Pi retailers for £95. And that's, yeah, that, okay, it's not pocket money, but that is an incredibly capable computer that you're getting there. Of course, in Raspberry Pi tra uh, tradition, you don't have to buy the fully bundled kit either. You can nope, buy you can just buy just the keyboard. Effectively, yep. it's not just the keyboard, it's the keyboard and computer. Um, that's coming in, I think, about £65, £60. I've not uh, actually looked in the something UK. like Seven, that. $70. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, and then you can use an existing you know, an existing mouse and existing uh, cables and power supplies. Oh, I would say for, I've not played with the 400 from past Raspberry Pi experience. It is worth generally getting their official power supply. Um, there are a lot of, yeah, if you use a power supply that's not quite up to standard, you can end up with a lot of frustrating quirks that aren't immediately obvious. It's, it, it handles it, but it'll sort of, it'll slow itself down or it'll crash a little bit more than it should. Just get a good quality power supply. Yeah. If you get the because, Raspberry because Pi ones, you know that that's going to be good. Because it's USB-C, most of the good USB power supplies from the likes of Anchor and those third parties, or if you have an Apple USB-C power supply, uh, or one from a laptop, those will probably be okay as well. Uh, I, 67... I, wonder if they've, uh, I wonder if they've taken the opportunity on the 400. They had a little bit of a bug on the Raspberry Pi 4 with the USB-C power port. Uh, mm -hmm. They hadn't fitted a couple of resistors. I wonder if they've fixed that now, because I'd that like upset a... I'd hope they had. <laughs> yes, that upset a few chargers earlier on. Uh, 6750 for the uh, unit without the mouse, the guide, and uh, SD card, and cables and whatnot. Of course, the other thing is, if you do want to get your hands on one of these, you and you're in Cambridge, you have a great outlet of them. You don't even have to wait for the uh, the courier to deliver. Uh, if you can get down to the shops, if you're listening on the second... I wonder if they're going to be able two to days. Click, and, <laughs> click and collect for Raspberry Pi from the Grafton or not. Uh, it's, it's the Grand Arcade. Oh, Grand Arcade, sorry. Yes, yes. and they, they'll they be open at least for the next couple of days, I would imagine. Um, there is the Raspberry Pi official store down there. It's up on the uh, the top floor of the Grand Arcade. Um, and you can go and grab your hands on a, a Raspberry Pi 400. If not, yes, you'll probably have to get it delivered. Uh, only, only initial complaints, there isn't a 3.5mm headphone port for sound, so you've got to use a, uh, either a USB headset or a USB sound card or Bluetooth. Or, or it will, so it will, I believe, through, uh, through sound out of the HDMI socket. It does, yes. So if you're plugging it in something like a TV, you will get audio just yes. out of the TV without having to connect any more. Uh, uh, there are workarounds for a lot of the streaming media services like uh, Netflix and Disney+. Plus. You just need to update to a specially tweaked Chromium browser that's able to do the Widevine streaming media DRM standard used by a lot of streaming services these days. So the, it can even do all of your favourite streaming content. The one thing that I haven't yet found is whether you can run Zoom on the Raspberry Pi. Because I don't think there's a native 
Zoom client. But of course, it can, uh, yeah, it can take a webcam, um, either USB or uh, the, certainly the regular Raspberry Pi 4s take a, uh, uh, the Pi camera via its own special connector. Um, but what I've not found is whether there is a, uh, a Zoom client. So if you are doing... So there's, of course, learning. a Zoom web client in, the, in a browser... Yes, that's true. Yes, that that will work. Yeah, and and some people have said that they've had success running Zoom in a browser um, for video calls. Yep, I, I've just had a look on uh, on Zoom's forums, and they've said, yeah, we we're aware of this, but we haven't got time <laughs> to do it right at the moment. <laughs> I'd say we'll probably be seeing our favourite video conferencing tools coming to. Um, probably Ubuntu and also things like the Raspberry Pi operating system itself pretty soon because the world is going that way and uh, these are becoming very viable platforms for doing things like working from home. Very much so, very much so. And education as well. Yeah, that that is going to be a, yes. a key market here. If, yes. you know, if you have got folks being home, uh, you know, home educated, then being able to join their online classroom experiences is is going to be a, a massive, massive yeah, deal. Let, let, course, let's hope that a lot more of the schools are starting to think about more open platforms for their re- remote education and not tying students into a requirement for a Windows operating system necessarily. Yes, um, I know. I know a lot of the uh, the schools out in the states are providing Chromebooks, so these run Google's Chrome OS uh, in a you know, very education optimized uh, environment. Yes. The, the schools can provision the devices; they can set them all up, they can get them ready, and then they know that all of their students are running the same device, the same operating system, the same set of software, um, and they can uh, they can stop them installing anything else. Yes, and they can centrally manage them, work out where they are, geolocate them, and all those sort of useful things. Very good. Uh, well, next up, talking of Google, we are going to be exploring the new Google Chromecast and Google TV. I think you've uh, you've had one of these for a, a couple of weeks. I, I ordered it as soon as it was announced. Um, interestingly, they charged me, then they refunded me, uh, and they said it was going to be available by the 4th of November. It shipped early. Oh, well, we'll find out what that's like in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. In 1960s Cambridge, you might have shopped at Joshua Taylor, gone roller skating at the Corn Exchange, and seen the Beatles perform live at the Regal Cinema. On Sunday mornings, John Gannon takes you back in time with hits and memories from the swinging decade. John Gannon's 60s scene, Sundays at 8am on the station that's live and local. Cambridge 105 Radio. Looking to buy a new home this summer but it feels out of reach? Then getting on the property ladder just isn't an option for you. Think again. New homes in Haverhill and Cottenham are available now with shared ownership with your mortgage deposit as low as from £4,000. The final two and three bedroom homes at Bower Place and Boyton Place also have exclusive incentive packages available worth over £2,500. With £1,000 shopping vouchers, £500 towards your solicitor's fees and three months rent free, book your viewing today to find out what's on offer. Reserve from just £99 and find your new home this summer. Think shared ownership, think complete moves. Visit complete-moves.co.uk or call 020-3640-7111 today. Terms and conditions apply. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? 
Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715715 or see Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. Listening to Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. And it's time to look at a relatively new bit of Google technology. Now, this is the uh, the new Google Chromecast with Google TV, and you've uh, had one of these, Lawrence. Yes, I suppose you could compare this to Amazon's Fire TV Stick 4K Ultra um, because it's got the same sort of specifications as far as what it can do and provide 4K TV output, uh, just being a, a dongle that plugs into an HDMI port on your uh, your AV receiver, your TV, and then has a, a remote control, uh, which is the first Chromecast with a remote control. It is white so that you can distinguish it from um, other remote controls. Interestingly, it even came with white batteries. They managed to actually oh make their own specific <laughs> white. They're standard double A's, but anyway, white batteries. A um, couple of interesting things on it. There is a dedicated YouTube button, for obvious reasons. This is a Google company, and yep. a Netflix button. Now, this is a new partnership, and it extends not just to the button, but also one of the offers they've got, because the yes. the Chromecast on its own is sitting at £60 with free shipping. Which is about 10 quid more than the Fire TV 4K Ultra. Or you can pay another £30, so taking it to £90 total, less a penny, and that includes six months of Netflix subscription in, uh, included with that. Um, so that's which not is, too which bad. Which is a, five, reasonable five discount, a yeah. reasonable discount because Netflix over that should cost about £9 a month, so you're getting uh, about £24 discount off your Netflix for six months. Uh, which which of the Netflix plans is it? Because it's, the, they have it's a... the standard plan, so it's the right. one that lets you run on multiple a uh, couple of screens at standard HD. Yes, so you don't get 4K Netflix included with this. No, presumably. but if you are on a 4K plan, it does a pro rata based on the 30 quid discount, and it discounts oh, okay. your 4K. So they they have been fair on that. They're not uh, forcing you down on your Netflix plan. You just get less than six months. Yes. Yeah. No, that, so you that get you get the sense. discount, but just less time. Uh, so they've done that. Um, so uh, when you get it out the box and you plug it in, uh, you've got to obviously sign in with your Google credentials. Uh, first thing it will want to do is do an operating system update. Of because, course. <laughs> uh, now, despite now, only being shipped a week the, ago, <laughs> the the onboarding process is quite slick because basically you run the Google Home app on your phone, and it talks to the Chromecast with ultrasonic audio. Ah, so it knows that you are physically in the same room or yes. certainly the same property you, you uh, might have rather to enter than just a, being someone standing outside your front door. You might have to enter a code to verify the Chromecast device that you are setting up on your phone and then you give it your Wi-Fi credentials so that it can join your Wi-Fi and it joins your Wi-Fi, it will then go off and update its operating system and get itself sorted. Um, 
when you uh, then it tells you how to activate the remote control so that it pairs the remote control, which talks Bluetooth to the to the yep. Chromecast, um, and then it asks you about your TV. Okay. Because this remote control has an infrared sender in it and ah, can control nice. your TV, audio, and your uh, AV equipment for turning it on and off and turning the volume up and down. Nice. So suddenly you can potentially get rid of some of the other remote controls you've you've had sat around. You don't have to have the sort of the TV remote control with 30 buttons on, of which the only one you actually use is the power button. And the volume control probably, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> So on the side of the remote controller, a couple of volume controls as well as um, a power button on the front of the control. The other useful thing is a voice button. And when you push and hold that, it activates the microphone, which they put in the middle of the front of the remote. And that lets you ask the Google Assistant to do things for you. Now, presumably... this is because they can't just have the remote control listening all the time. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, only go, running on a couple of small batteries. You go far too many batteries. batteries. <laughs> exactly. So you, you can't do that in the way that you would a sort of mains connected personal assistant. But you can still put the same technology there. You just have to activate it with a, a button push instead. Yes, so it can do everything that your standard Google Assistant on your phone or if you've got any other Google hardware devices can do. Uh, answer questions, show you the weather, tell you what's in your calendar, all those sort of useful things, as well as find you entertainment. Presumably your TV has to be switched on for that to be useful. In other words, it doesn't ah, have a, a loudspeaker. It's, H- it's got HDMI control and you can set it to be able to turn on your TV. Okay. So by you, the HDMI control. So if you were to say, please play me this music on Spotify or, or Google Music or it whatever. It could, through HDMI, turn on the device to actually right. do the, the necessary, which is quite slick. Very, uh, very useful for those sort of larger pieces of entertainment, presumably, you know, listening to music, watching TV, less so for something as simple as when's my next appointment or, or you know, when's it going to rain? Well, yes. Probably about um, So the... the, uh, the other useful thing about it is the whole concept of how they organize media. So it will do your Netflix, your Disney Plus, your Prime Video, your YouTube, your BBC iPlayer, your ITV Hub, your My5, your Spotify, uh, your YouTube Music, your BBC Sounds, your TV Player. <laughs> Have we got enough of these services yet? The one thing that's missing, and this is a slight annoyance, is all four. Oh, so really? no, ba- no Bake Off yet on, it's, on the It's not Chromecast. even the ones you would expect. You could you could imagine if they'd had a fallout with Amazon Prime Video or, some, yeah, or no, someone like that, or Disney don't Plus. don't know but, why, but all four is missing. Hello, Google. Hurry up and get it. I can watch all four on my phone and my tablet, <laughs> not on my... So I can cast it from my PC. Yes. But there isn't an app... Well, the, the all four app that's available on my phone and every other Android device is not available on the Chromecast with Google TV yet. Now, can, I'm pretty pretty sure they will get that sorted. Can, can you do the Chromecast thing where, at the moment, I've got this, the older generation Chromecast, mm-hmm. um, and I can go into, let's say, the, the Amazon Prime video app on my phone, and then I and get say, the play little, it on, yes. Play it, play on my TV. Do you get it, that in the old 4 it, app? It works. Uh, uh, because yes. that, I could imagine that yes, being a I way have, of getting have, it on. I have casted from the all four app on my phone to the new Chromecast. Yes. Which felt a bit less intuitive now that you've got an interface and you've got a a remote control and a search facility. Because the whole beauty of the search is Google, of course, we know are very good at search. So what it does is it it brings all of your providers and you just sign into all your um, platforms that you have subscriptions with. 
in one place and now all your content appears. So on my front screen, I, it showed me things that I might be interested in watching. Ready Player One, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Question Time, um, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. If I click on something, so Ready Player One, it says there's three ways you can watch this now. The default is going to be the one that's free with all of your packages. Yes. So it's offering me Netflix straight away because it's available. And it says you can also buy it on Google TV or rent it on Google TV if you want. Yep. And presumably the, the same thing would extend to Amazon Prime Video if it was free on that. So Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, it says, is available free on Prime Video, but you can buy it on Google TV. That is, that is very nice because we are definitely getting to that point where yeah, many too people many, have have yeah. different subscriptions and it's okay which, which one has Grey's Anatomy for free this week rather than yes. the licensing deals expired and it's gone and moved on to something else or oh you you got caught by that one too with Grey's Anatomy oh no they get it I'm, I'm watching it on Amazon Prime at the moment it's still uh, it's still available on there as, uh, uh, as of a night or two ago oh has it, has it come back because it went off for a while <gasps> Oh, you're about to have ruined my evening. <laughs> Don't say that. I'm, st I'm still halfway through season ten. Uh, yes, because I got, I got, I had to do a quick amount of binging to get up to the end before they um, pulled it. Oh gosh, um, oh means, this is. Has it come back? Hang on, it, hang on. Well, well, what have we got? Is, is Rob in a panic now? No, we're we're all good. <laughs> we're all good. Don't do that to me. Uh, <laughs> Series the, uh, one to fifteen. Okay, one to fifteen is available on Prime. Sixteen is not. Okay, I might have to check on that. Anyway, I like a lot of the other interface things like showing you in real time where, which episode you're on on whichever platform. So it's showing you your content from all the platforms and you last watched this episode and the next one is that. So it's very easy to find something because who hasn't spent half an hour trying to find something to watch on any of these streaming platforms before giving up? That's all we've got time for this episode, but don't forget you can catch new episodes every other Monday from 6pm on Cambridge 105 Radio. Cheers for now.